innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up Gonna shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. Welcome to Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy Josh. Reg. And we're grateful to be back on with you yet again. We got a fun episode, page turning, life changing episode ready for y'all. So here we go, suckers. Well, it's been one of those days. I mean, it's been a kind of a cloudy, reflective day, I'd say. And uh, I mean, Everybody's been giving you compliments on your your haircut and your your beard trim. So, looking good, feeling good. You know what? Just trying my best out here, man. Just trying to. Uh, well, let's just be honest. I got obviously I needed a haircut because it was rough. Um, but secondly, I was trimming my beard, and there was this day where it kind of went, and I was like, oh, well, I expected a lot more to come off. Nothing really came off, and I was looking. I was like, oh, it was fine. All right, saved, and so it's all good. I go to coach that night, and then it was one of the games that Kelsey came to watch me, and she comes up to me after the game. She's like, there's a whole bald patch in your beard. I was like, no, there's not. She's like, look. And I was like, gee, that's looking rough. And so that instantly came off. Mm-hmm. So I wish it was because of, you know, things are changing, but that was just a mistake. Oh, well, I mean, it's a mistake in the right direction. You're looking great there, guy. I mean, I can't grow a beard, so I'm going to be jealous of your your small beard <laughs> anyway. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We're excited, though, uh, to be jumping in today. As some of you, you know, have been following it. We got, we got some hardcore people who follow us. We got some people who've just been in the trenches with us, and we're thankful for y'all. And you can recognize that yes, we've gone through some transitions over the past couple months mm-hmm. and obviously with a new host, co-host on with us and trying to figure out where we're going and and even a little bit before that and trying to figure out what direction we're going in. I think we've kind of figured out what we want to do. First off, we want to thank y'all for joining us on this journey and kind of waiting it out as we kind of figure things out. But we know what we want to do now and uh, the direction we want to take this thing in and we hope you join us and we're going to be jumping into all that tonight. Yeah, for sure. I kind of look at it almost like the podcast is like a person, right? You know, you started out, it was born, it was a little bit messy. Then you went through that really cute phase where it was fun. Then we had kind of when I came on and, and uh, Dalton left, that was the awkward teenage years. <laughs> so now we're starting to get into adulthood. We're starting to figure the stuff out. I'm starting to figure some stuff out and uh, we're getting to a good spot and I'm excited to kind of share with you all what we're, what we're planning. Absolutely. And I think that's a very great way to put it um, over the past little bit has been the uh, the middle school years. Definitely. Where <laughs> you're just uh, you're feeling rebellious and want to fight the man and but don't know who to fight. And uh, you're also trying to f- find yourself and find your personality through it all. And you're 100 percent right. Yeah, so. for sure. And I mean, it, it's kind of fitting, too, because like I know that I'm going through a lot of personal change in my life and uh, the podcast went through a lot of change. So it's kind of it's kind of feeling like it's the right point to to kind of acknowledge just uh, just kind of like you know the past couple weeks or, or I guess months now um, that we kind of looked at everything and all things and it was big it was ugly it was scary and I think that one of the things that I was really feeling myself was I was like oh my god like we're looking at all these like really annoying sometimes petty sometimes just like ludicrous things. 
and it grates on you over time. Like you, you're just like, man, there's so much out there that I can't change that I, I can't touch. I can't enact any kind of movement on. And it just felt overwhelming and it feels depressing. So it was like one of those things where I was just like, I love the show. I love that I'm able to kind of step into this role here and, and, uh, try and, and fill some of the shoes that Dalton has. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was starting to, it was starting to get on my soul where I was just like, man, we need to, we need to find that, that little ray of hope here because it's starting to wear on me. And I think you were kind of feeling the same way a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so in some ways, I think for, um, I think it's more of, you're feeling something you just didn't know what it was and that's kind of what i was gathering as well mm-hmm. where yeah there's just a lot of going a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in the world a lot of things going happening it really hit me the hardest this week actually i was watching a lot of different podcasts um whether it be political or not and just kind of seeing where everyone's at and where everyone's coming from but there was one podcast in particular that really stuck out to me this week and it was actually um tim pool's culture war podcast and he had uh, a leftist come on who works with the young turks and it was let's just say it was fireworks it was was (laughs) very interesting um mainly because obviously i see tim as you know i don't a lot of people view him as right leaning i you know i think he's more kind of center right center center right more so and seeing kind of this interaction happen with someone who says like who claim that they're further left than Biden and them kind of talk about these different issues, whether it be the Ukrainian stuff or talking about um, healthcare and how that should be handled or, um, or just culture war issues uh, when it comes to like maybe LGBTQ plus all that type of stuff. So it was an interesting battle, but the, so there was like, I, there was a couple points where she like, I thought made up some like great points, but it all came crumbling down when she pretty much told Tim that he like runs a podcast that only attracts neo-Nazis uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it got spicy. I was like, this is crazy what's happening right now. And just like, I felt the tension and I felt it all the way up in Canada and <laughs> I was like, holy smokes, what is happening right now? And so that one, it was like more so kind of the wake up call for me. And I was just like, everyone's just battling. Like everyone's mm. fighting on stuff that at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's actually going to agree on. Yeah, I also, I my counter argument to that, I think, is that, like, I think that we're not, not that far apart, honestly. I think there might be, like, a few things here and there that we're maybe not 100% in agreement on. But I think the bulk majority of us, right or left or center, kind of have a good understanding of where we, where we lie and what we want for humanity. And I think that it's people just being divisive, creating camps that are just kind of, like, being like, oh, well, if you're 98% this, then you're with us and you have to agree 100%. So I think, yeah, I think there's a lot less that divides us than we than we realize. But it is statements, like you said, like at the very end, like your podcast caters to neo-Nazis. It's a wide sweeping statement, you know, painting everybody with the same brush kind of thing that's just like, okay, now we're ready for war. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just made this conversation go nuclear, like, and you didn't have to. Yeah. I think so. the thing that was the funniest, but also kind of like I could sense was definitely probably the most offensive of it was obviously she makes that statement. Then Tim comes back like extra hard on her and like obviously very upset by her statement. Mm-hmm. And her response is, oh, I didn't mean to upset you, Tim. <laughs> it's like, what do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect when you drop a bomb like that? 
Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to blow up this conversation. Yeah. Just one second, you know. I'm I'm gonna excuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so that's kind of like you know when I was watching that, I was you know as I said, there's just there's shows like that. Obviously, that's kind of one that's more a lot of people know about. But there's that, and then so many out more that kind of do similar things. And that's what kind of got me thinking. I was like, all right, so what are we offering here? What are we giving up? You know, mm-hmm. what are we helping with? And there's definitely strengths that and things I know I can help with. And that's what me and Dalton started this show with was like wanting to like give ideas of how to grow your wealth and the things that we we're doing and things that we were trying to figure out. And that's kind of what this show started as with like a glimmer of politics on the side, yeah. which we only like we always reserve like the last 15, 20 minutes of every show. That's what we would do. Talk about something business wise and then end with something fun um, just because it, was, it cracked us up. And then it slowly started taking over the show more and more and more and more without us even realizing. And so that's kind of where we want to get back to those types of roots and giving uh, solution based ideas of how to really impact your own life, how to grow and whether it be your wealth or be uh, personally or how to actually have like a micro effect and impact on those around you and also in your own life. And how can we kind of work with our communities as this is thing, something I've brought up many a times over, over the past couple of years, but something I really feel passionate about is how do we, you know, utilize and work with our communities to have impact and positive impact. Yeah. And it's something that actually that I was like thinking a lot about too, um, especially over the weekend uh, I had, I had you and Kelsey over for dinner one night and then I had a, a couple of friends over for dinner the next night and something that uh, one of my friends who's originally from the South shore kind of brought to light. She said, you know, my mom joined um, this auction 45s cards club where it's just a bunch of people who are over 50 get together. They play cards and for them it's great. They play cards, but then from there they ended up like doing potlucks and then from there they ended up um collecting money at Christmas time for like um, the less fortunate kind of thing. It's like, it's these little tiny spinoff things um, that people do that build community um, to actually like strengthen community and makes their own lives that much richer. And so, and, and then even things like now some of those people, like they can use resources that um, each other has. So one person owns a construction company and they can give them a deal on um, some work that needed to be done. So it's like, when you look at wealth, it's wealth monetarily, it's wealth in your connections, it's wealth in your community. And how do you build that? And so I think that, you know, when we talk about elevating, I think that is what it is. It's elevating your own personal wealth, your own personal connections and your community as a whole. And I think that all three will happen kind of at the same time if you're doing it right. Absolutely. And that's kind of where we, where we lie. Uh, and you ask like, well, well, this seems like such a departure from what we've been doing. <laughs> yes and no. And I'll tell you why we, we share, we talk about a lot of the crazy things that are happening around the country. Those are fun to talk about from time to time. But the reality is it leaves us with more questions and problems than they give us res- solutions. Well, what do you mean, Josh? Well, what I mean is, and I've said this, I've been very consistent on this issue. It's very clear from my perspective, and this is where things get really interesting uh, between us on this one, is the government's not here to help us. They don't really seem to care at this point. And what can we do to help ourselves? And what can we do to help those around us? Mm-hmm. You know, those are some, those are the questions and things we want to ponder and, and gain solutions to moving forward. Yeah. And I think I take a, just a slightly different take on that. I think that I kind of agree with you in that, like, right now, the government 
isn't overly helpful. I will totally admit that. And uh, especially when you go farther and farther and farther up the line. And I think that's kind of like one of the things that we, we talked about before even starting tonight's show um, was just the idea that like, we need to make our worldview smaller. We need to bring it more locally. We need to look at where can we actually affect change. And so one of the things that I had said was that, you know, if I s- try and call up Justin Trudeau, I'm going to get a secretary. They're going to write down my comments. They're going to throw it in a garbage can. Like there's no way that that's going anywhere. But if I want to call up my local, um, you know, politician who's on city council, they're actually going to pick up the phone. They're going to listen to what I have to say. They're going to respond. I actually did it before and met one of them for coffee. It was great. I ended up sitting on a board afterwards. And uh, so, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that kind of localness that we need to get back to because then you can actually have change around you. And if you do that enough and you amplify that enough, then you can start to affect, you know, some of the bigger players. But that's a that's a long term stretch goal, I think. And I think right now what we need to do is just focus on what we do have within our own control and our own community and our own localness. And so I think that's I think that leaves a lot of room for some fun conversations. And uh, I really think that one of the things I'll defend politicians with is that from the conversations that I've had with them, a lot of them actually just don't know. I don't know if they're out of touch and they need to do better at this. And that might be a criticism on them that they just don't know where to help. Some of them are like, I want to help. I just don't know what I should be doing. And it's like, well, that that's kind of a you problem. You really need to get back out there and, and get connected to your community. Um, but also some of them are just like, tell me what you'd like. Like, you know, if you get 30 people angry and uh, like passionate on an issue and come up with a solution, like we can try it. We've got the funds, we've got the time, we've got the energy and the know-how we'll try something. And so that's what I find is the opportunity that's exciting. And so that's why I'm not so quick to write off politicians is because I've had that experience as well. All right. So let's kick this off uh, with one question. We'll start off because this is something that's coming up that everyone's kind of has got everyone's eye at the moment. And I want to hear kind of your perspective on how you're going to try and adapt to it. But right now, what we're seeing here in Nova Scotia specifically is July 1st, we're seeing a huge increase in carbon tax rate. Uh, I was reading today that we're expecting an extra 12 and a half cents mm-hmm. per liter here in the province. That is, that's tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, especially those who are already kind of on the, on the edge. What is it, what's this going to force them to do? Well, a lot of people it's going to force them to drive less, um, be less mobile and only do with the things they need to do. But from your perspective, what are you going to be doing? How are you going to address this? So for me, Personally, um, it is going to be driving less, honestly. Um, it's going to be driving my motorcycle more because <laughs> uh, that thing is sweet on fuel. Um, it's going to be riding my bicycle more when I can. Um, so it's going to be like finding alternate routes of uh, transportation when it makes sense. Um, I have a lead foot and I've already noticed that in preparation for this, I've cut my speed down a bit. These seem like dumb things, but it's it's true. I notice just in the fuel economy there. Like I'm trying to leave earlier for things so I can get there on time. Um, knowing that I'm going to be going the speed limit versus like 10, 20, 30, 40 <laughs> kilometers over. <laughs> the highways are so clear. They're so great. <laughs> um, but, uh, and the other thing though, that's really practical is actually having conversations with your employer about what work from home looks like. If you can do it. Um, I actually have reduced the amount of, in office hours, I, I do, um, just because I'm like, okay, 
that's an, a trip into the city and a trip out of the city that I don't have to make anymore. Um, so before I was working one day from home, um, three days in the office because we were on a four-day work week schedule. And uh, I've cut that back to now two days at home, two days at the office. And a couple of weeks I did three days at home, one day in the office, um, completely flipping it. And that actually has a really big impact on my, on my fuel. So that would be something that I would have a conversation with your employer about is like, what does um, work from home flexibility look like? Um, you could cite the fact that with rising costs and wages not keeping up, that this is a necessary adjustment uh, to make it easier for you to, to focus on work and less on finding another job that's going to pay you more because you need to keep up with the, the rising costs. So it's a really, and if you kind of frame it in that way of like, I really like what I'm doing. I really like where I work. I'm just finding that I'm taking home less money because I'm traveling and that travel expense. Some people might be sympathetic to that, especially if they're going to be paying the extra cost in gas and saying, you know, we can evaluate my productivity after three months of me trying a, a more flexible work schedule. And there's lots of tools out there now since COVID. So that's one of the gifts that COVID gave us is like more flexible work environments. So take advantage of that and, and have really frank, honest and compassionate conversations with your employers. And hopefully uh, they'll kind of connect with you on a human level and say, yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and see if they can find a solution. Totally. Yeah. I think, I mean, the first thing I know there isn't many, we're going to hear that question and uh, be like, well, yeah, of course, of course you're going to cycle more. Of course you're going to drive less. Um, of course you can do the things. That's what they want you to do. The man's trying to get you down. And, uh, and to those, I empathize with you. I'm the same way. that's exactly what's going through my mind. Um, and, but the reality is we're in tough, tough times. Um, mm-hmm. Inflation is crazy. And uh, because of that, we're obviously starting to see, you know, gas prices are increasing due to things like carbon taxes and uh, increased prices that are kind of manufactured yeah. and, and causing issues, right? And yeah. causing uh, inflation. And people have to start asking themselves, all right, like, what do I do? And so we're giving these these tips now because you got to live to fight another day. Yeah. You know, these are battles we have to address, but they're going to be long-term battles because it, they took a long time to develop and we're going to have to, you know, we'll figure out ways that we can fight back. And that talks about our, lo- you know, as we talked about that earlier in terms of battling at a local level, you know, making people aware of like what's happening, the pains that we're feeling and seeing if that can trickle up, up the, uh, the food chain a little bit here. But in the meantime, you still got to live day to day. You yeah. still got to try and survive. So these are the things that you're going to end up, you know, just thinking about how do we address this? How do you get around this? How do you, how do you fight the good fight on this? You know, there's some people who, who have to go into work. Like there's no other choice. Exactly. It's, a, it's a physical job. So what do we do there? Um, in that case, uh, I actually do have another little solution for that. Um, a lot of people I know that have actually been like, now I'm asking my coworkers, like, where do you live? Like, can we carpool? Can we, can we get together? Like to, to make one trip out of two. So I drive today, you drive tomorrow kind of thing. And uh, that's actually something I'm working on with uh, a future coworker because <laughs> I'm actually leaving my job. <laughs> and so I <laughs> uh, just had a conversation today actually with uh, a prospective company that I would be looking to move to. And uh, it just so happens one of their employees lives 
uh, a street over from me. So it'd be very easy to, to carpool with them. So that's a conversation I've had with them too. But uh, yeah, it's finding solutions in unique ways the, to try and, like you said, survive to, to fight another day. Because I think like what you said, you know, we have to kind of take care of ourselves on this very basic Band-Aid solution way first and then push from the ground up and start with that grassroots level thing. And uh, part of that is, like I said, connecting with the people around you, the people you work with and having these conversations about like, man, this is hard. We need to talk to our, our local MLA or our you know municipal counselor, somebody with just one degree separation from you and maybe just a slight bit more power than you. We're not talking about like a letter campaign to Trudeau because it's not going to work. But if you get enough people creating enough movement at lower levels and then that trickles up to the mid-tier and then you get enough of those mid-tier people saying, we have a lot of angry constituents right now and you just keep doing that and pushing that until eventually the issue becomes top of top of mind, then I think that's where you're going to start to see some of those larger changes happen. Yeah. And then I'll also be honest too, we talked about this a little bit earlier today, but when it comes to this tax hike essentially, you know, I think it's also going to get just regular people aware of what's happening too, which mm-hmm. I think will in some ways might su- supercharge what's happening um, to some degree. We all, we know that at this point we know that the politicians uh, federally know the pains that are happening. They're aware of the pinch and they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they want it to continue. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, okay, so where do, where do we have to push, you know, at different levels here? we, Clearly, at this point, we had, I think to, today, Tim Houston has called for an emergency meeting with all the Atlantic province premiers and with Trudeau to discuss what the heck is going on here. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, that's a good example of like, you know, putting enough pressure on a lower level to get them to do something to really try and put some pressure on on politicians on a federal level. Yeah, exactly. And that was actually something that like, I did is I actually wrote to... Um, my MLA, not my, not my MP and said, like, listen, like, this is something that's going to really hurt me. Um, I'm, you know, a young person, young professional with a small child. Like I have a very expensive mortgage. You know, if we start driving my fuel costs up, which will drive up grocery prices, which will drive everything up. Like you're going to, you're going to push me into poverty. Like, you know what I mean? And so I I'd actually got a response back being like, you're totally right. Like, that's why, um, you know, we're going to ask the, the premier to, to do something about this and to speak on behalf of all Nova Scotians. And then when I did see that come up, I was like, oh, wow. Like, it's nice to actually see action. And I think that just to kind of speak to what we had already kind of hashed out already is just like trying to go too big and, and tackle an issue from the top. It's just, it's not going to work because they're going to be like, you know, quiet, you pee on, you know, <laughs> keep paying your taxes. Like, yeah. We like spending it. But if you, like we said, pushing on the lower levels, like just a level above you, and then they can push on a level above them. And just, it builds over, over time and over the hierarchy. Eventually you kind of get some change, but that's, uh, that's where we're, that's where we're at and where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. I know for self, you just kind of mentioned it earlier. So it'd be an interesting conversation is yeah, you're in the scenario of, of switching jobs and that's that comes with a different type of tension and pressure. So with everything that's going on with rising costs, like how are you adapting? How are you adjusting? 
um, uh, as you try to make like a pretty severe transition in your life with um, a young child and a wife and a family and <laughs> <So>. a mortgage <laughs> and the mortgage. Yeah. Luckily I own my car, so I don't have that to pay for. But um, yeah, it, it came to a head where at my organization, like um, I just realized I, I wasn't being fulfilled in what I was doing. Um, I had some conversations with uh, upper management, upper leadership, and just really feeling like there was no way forward. And uh, so trying to leave on amicable terms um, in both ways. And uh, I, I think it really is going to be amicable because they've already expressed that they'd be happy to give like a solid reference, but they just, they weren't seeing where um, the direction of the organization was going and the direction I want to go where it was aligned. So it was like, okay, that's, that's fair. I guess we gotta, we gotta make a change. And it was one of those things that like, it hurts um, because I'm like, it's that anxiety of, oh my God, what if I don't find something? Luckily I've got severance. Um, that was part of the, part of the uh, discussion. So there's, there's that. Um, so there's a bit of an overlap and I'm, I have a pretty employable skill set <laughs> and a lot of pieces of paper to my name. So I don't think that I'll be too hard on. Um, I'm quite privileged in that way, but, uh, it also got me thinking though, that I really actually need to start looking at ways to generate my own income so that say priorities change in an organization that I'm not left out in the dust again. And so I need to really kind of sit there and think about what are the things that I'm interested in? What are the things I'm good at? What are the things that will make money? That icky guy kind of, um, concept. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, mm -hmm. but yeah, for sure. Um, I figured you would be. But uh, yeah, and kind of thinking about um, ownership of my own destiny and then the way of like having my own company or having my own um, entity or holding company or something to kind of be able to generate my own income. That doesn't mean I'm not going to work for somebody else for a bit um, and gain the, the knowledge, the experience and everything I can take from that um, and contribute the best way I can. But also really being serious about, okay, I think I need to, I need to start looking into how I can build my own wealth and how I can do that in a way that's employment based. Totally. Yeah. I think you hit on a lot of serious points, especially at this point in time. And these are things like I've been kind of, that's been top of my mind as well. You know, I, it's, it's stressful to rely on one source for income. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be able to, you know, have two, three, four, you know, as many as possible uh, sources of income so that, as you said, if one falls through, then, you know, you'll, you'll be set. And I'm starting to learn one thing I learned this week and it's something Dalton has been talked, has talked about for years at this point. And I just didn't fully, I understood it, but it didn't really click until this week. And that was how big of a liability in some ways it is to own a home. Mm -hmm. and if you're not renting it out, if you're not getting some type of income from it, and I'm starting to realize that now. Our system is set up in such a way where, you know, you pay all your interest to the banks, and and you take all of the liability. You know, mm -hmm. you got to take care of the home. You got to make sure it's all up to date, make sure it doesn't burn down on you. Uh, you get to enjoy living in it. That's great, but that's kind of where it, where, it, where it dies off, whereas... I turn around and start renting out a home and I get to write off everything I do to it. <laughs> I know. Isn't that wild? <laughs> Which is crazy. You know? And so I started struggling with that lately. I was like, 
do I want to live in a home I purchased at this point? Do I want to start renting again? Um, those are questions I've started asking myself lately, and that's kind of where I've been at. I do enjoy my home. I enjoy where we live. But I've started to have to have those serious conversations because of what we're going through at the moment where dollars are tight, things are getting difficult. Where are ways that we can save money or at least be smart in our finances moving forward? Yeah, that, that was something I kind of knew going in, um, which was it, was, it was a kind of like a bittersweet moment where I was like, I'm taking my entire investment portfolio and liquidating it to buy this liability. <laughs> but I was like, the same time I was like, okay, this house, it's not, it's not my retirement. Um, it's, I'm going into this eyes open knowing that this is going to be completely a sunk cost. Like this is like equivalent to buying booze or a fancy car or things that are going to depreciate. Really? And yeah, I look, at it, it that way. I look at it that way. I'm like, this is an indulgence. This is not. Like, Interesting. because necessity wise, like I could keep renting and keep putting the difference into um, investing and building wealth. Like this is not a wealth generator for me. This is an indulgence. And so that's what I look at the house as. Um, there are definitely ways I could monetize things. Like, um, especially if you have your own business working out of your home, you can claim part of that space um, on your taxes as a, as a, a write off. <laughs> so there are ways around that too. So that was also something I was considering as well. Um, I'm also thinking about like, I'm really trying to lean into kind of more of the homesteading style of things. Um, looking at like, okay, what are things I can grow? What are things I can produce on, on my piece of property that can then generate income? Because I, I don't want to have renters in my home. That's just not what I want. I've rented almost my entire life <laughs> and I'm done. <laughs> done with the whole relationship. Yeah. So I'm just looking at, okay, there's more than one way to make use of your property and build wealth from your property without actually just renting it. So I'm, I'm looking at those alternative means right now. And some of the things I'm doing is I'm looking at, like, I traveled to Lunenburg over the weekend to buy a $50 plant. Um, so it's like, okay, if I'm willing to travel, spend my time and my gas to get down to Lunenburg from Halifax, which is about an hour, hour and a half out, um, both ways. <laughs> and then to spend the money on this one plant, it's like, I bet you other people are too. So, and, uh, the whole way down there, I was listening to another podcast actually. And they're talking to a lady who has built a, a $90 million empire. And, uh, she was like, it's, She's like, oh, it's fairly small. And I was like, 90 million. Like, that's not small. You said it was nine or 90. 90. Woo. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, that's not, that's not small potatoes. But apparently to her and her circles, it was. But, um, and one of the things that she said, she was like, well, I look at, you know, what am I spending money on right now? Uh, aside from like the general living expenses, you know, aside from buying fuel at an exorbitant cost or food or power or whatever. And, and she was like, what are the things that I buy that are in my disposable income? And she said, I looked at that and she's like, then I built businesses. She's like, or bought businesses based on those. She's like, because I already had an interest. I already knew a little more than the average bear on those things. Um, so it made sense for me to then buy businesses that align with that. And so when I thought of that, I was like, you know what? That's totally right. Like 
I can tell you any plant going, I can make something come back to life within two seconds. Like I tried to kill an apricot tree and it ended up flourishing. And my mom was like, what is this beautiful plant in the, the garbage area of our yard? And I was like, ah, oh, the, the apricot. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm naturally good at that. Like I should, I should actually start monetizing that. So that's actually something I'm looking at. It's like, okay, I've got quite a bit of acreage um, or quite a bit of space. Uh, how do I, how do I start uh, doing something like that and following something that I just naturally enjoy and uh, making a few bucks off of it and people won't have to drive to Lindenburg. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, that's a big thing, right? Where people, you know, just keep an eye out. We talked about the song before, but like keep an eye out in terms of what, what needs do people have right now? Mm-hmm. What is, what are they craving? You know, there's, there's, there's times I'll walk into, to businesses and, try to think through like, okay, what are they executing on? Could I do it better? You know, like I have a whole craving for whatever reason. I don't think I'll ever do it, but there's just like this small thought in the back of my mind that I would love to just like run a donut shop. <laughs> Dude, I would love it. Uh, it's funny because like you had fortune and vandals donuts, like the gourmet donut shops just like pop up at the same time. Yeah. Which I thought that was interesting. But the thing with, Myself and Kelsey, uh, this was this is something that kind of birthed between the two of us, where like Kelsey has a huge passion for donuts, and she hasn't found anything close to like what what she was getting down south. Even Vandals and all that, like just they were nowhere near what they had down south. And she's like, "What if like could we make it possible?" And then we brought those up here. I think they do very well um, because like you had Vandals and uh, Fortune were they put a lot of stock in the um in just the toppings mm-hmm. but not a whole lot of stock in the actual donut itself i found yeah you know and that was kind of like you know over time the gimmick runs out i, st- I feel the same about uh the fog on the uh, waterfront that just opened up the ice cream st- shop that has all the ca- cotton candy and stuff like it's kind of gimmicky it's fun it's cool instagramable but only a lot it's not a business that's going to last long term if you don't really have like a solid product that people want to come back for. Yeah. And that's things that, you know, long story short, you know, think about, okay, what are people's needs? What do they want? And finding what those core needs are and delivering a product that can last over time is key. Yeah. Well, it's also what you just said and what I kind of said earlier too. It's like, what is the thing that I would spend money on? And if you're like, I, I, you are always going to think you're the most shrewd and, you know, most careful spender out there. Like I look at other people's purchases. I'm like, why would they buy that? It's like, buddy, you just spent $50 on a plant. Like, you know what I mean? So everybody's got that thing. So it's like, if you're looking at this going, I'd be willing to spend a little extra on a gourmet donut because that's going to bring me some enjoyment and happiness. It's like other people probably would too. And so it's exactly that. It's finding something that maybe you're, you're not a chef, but you're like, I know this is something that I'm going to spend money on. So that is a probably a viable business. And, and then kind of looking at your own life and saying, where am I spending money on weird niche or, you know, unique things. And then looking around and saying, are there businesses doing that? Could I do it better? Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are, those are interesting things to get into and like, and we will, uh, for our Thursday episode, we will be getting to those nitty gritty things. Um, but these are kind of good thoughts to start thinking on and, um, 
pondering and trying to figure out what is it for you and learning how you can kind of execute in, in such a time where it's, it's difficult at the moment to trying to get a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, so get more creative how to make them is, is, is crucial, especially in an economy where they're trying to essentially burn dollars at the moment and trying to bring that inflation down. So, yeah, exactly. And the other part of it too, is just like realizing that in creating your own wealth, it's like, it's not something you do by yourself. Yeah. It's something that, you know, you need to be deeply connected to, to other people for, you need mentors, you need uh, supporters. And so um, understanding that wealth is not just the money. Wealth is the connections. Wealth is the community. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's what I'm excited about for the way that this podcast is heading to. It's just kind of like understanding that we're taking and kind of saying no to everybody who's pushing globalized uh, living and oh nothing be happy and world economic forums and one world governments and all that crap. And we're saying, uh, you know, go pound sand. (laughs) (laughs) We're bringing it local. We're bringing it back to the people. And so that's what I'm excited about is just this idea of like, how do we connect to community? How do we connect to local government? How do we connect to local businesses? How do we build our own business? And it's a question that I actually have right now in my mind is like, how do I start my own business? Um, I know that you've started your own business. I know Dalton's got his own business. I know that we have listeners, uh, good old money with Mark. I had lunch with him the other day and uh, shout out to him. Uh, he has his own business that he runs with his wife. And I think that it's, it's where we need to be. And so I'm just kind of in that stage where I'm just, an early adopter, I think, uh, where I'm like, okay, how do I get started in this? I'm, I'm, my interest has been peaked, but I just don't know what I don't know yet. And so that's why I'm excited to kind of explore. Exactly. And these are things that we're going to continue to try and dive deeper into in about a couple weeks time and about two, yeah, two weeks time. We'll be having a nodder on who's going to be, who's currently going to be running for mayor here in Halifax, but he's also an entrepreneur. So we're going to be kind of doing a first episode with him talking through kind of his his race for mayor but then the the members only episode will be about how he's built his entrepreneur his his companies and how he continues to be successful with them so it'll be an interesting kind of uh, two episodes that week as well yeah for sure and i think that it's it's so important to actually have those things connected because they are mm-hmm. i mean you know we see it all the time um business and politics like constantly intertwined and i think that's how the podcast kind of like went off the rails a little bit and we're bringing it back <laughs> is because they are so intricately connected. And I think that kind of doing this in a a really thoughtful and intentional way of like understanding that connection and understanding where we have power as people and where we can have more power with our own businesses and things like that. I think it's, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really, uh, really fun to actually pull apart and talk about and argue about and yeah. get mad about. And then <laughs> we love our, and then, then find common ground at the end. Totally. Uh, couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, for a wild card segment, I thought this was interesting. Um, this came up from a comedian that came up on uh, Instagram and usually, you know, they're usually big on kind of doing sketches and stuff, but he kind of went on a rant about his local mechanic or should, sorry, say mechanics of the dealership. Okay. And it was so fine to watch. And I still haven't stopped thinking about this. This guy lives rent free in my, in my head. Oh, man. I'm excited. 
buddy, I'm done. This one's for the dealerships right now. No new news with dealerships here, right? We know they try and nickel and dime you. But I specifically said when I bought my car, I'm like, guys, anything wrong with my car, I bring it in and I don't want to pay for nothing. That's the warranty I want. Give me the max out, all-inclusive, leaving from Fort Lauderdale cruise ship package. You know what I'm saying? They go, no, problem, right? I paid large for this warranty. Now, fast forward, I bring my car in for an oil change and they're like, sorry, buddy, can't take it off the hoist unless you pay us 1500 bucks. And I was like, for what? He go, you ready for this? He goes, for the cabin filter, take some rust off of the rotors for the brakes, and then also for alignment. You had a little pretty bumpy winter there, pal. And I was like, if I took that to any other mechanic, that would cost me less than $250. I could buy a cabin filter from fucking Canadian Tire and put it in myself. What are you talking about? But I thought I got the warranty. He goes, it doesn't cover that though. I was like, does it cover my oil change? He goes, yeah. I'm like, then take it down because that's all I ever wanted to get here, all right? And he goes, yeah, but you hold on. Let me see what I could do. This guy calls me back in 10 minutes. Okay, we can do it for 600. He calls me back another half an hour later because I still said no. He's like, 350 bucks. I was like, buddy, shove the cabin filter in your ass. <laughs> Last thing, I called the guy who sold me the car. I'm like, buddy, I thought I got the auto coverage. He's like, ah, yeah, you know how it is. You know, dealership mechanics always trying to get you. I'm like, these are your mechanics, bro. I'm done. I'm done with the dealerships. It's over. <laughs> That's just... That's gold. Yeah. That's that's so funny because <laughs> like I I've also I've used Mr. Lube before because oh, I, I I didn't have a, a garage and so and I was just renting uh, a small place at the time and uh, they're like oh you know we should probably replace your cabin filter and I was like why and they're like oh well you know like they pulled it out and of course it's dirty as all hell and they're like you know like that's it's really unhealthy and it's, it's take years off your life and they're like it's really you know a small price to pay i was like well how much is it and he was like three hundred dollars i was like oh my god absolutely not <laughs> it's crazy when i discovered that too that happened to me at mr lube as well whereas like they kind of told me like yeah this is a you know cabin filter this is how much it's gonna cost same price or around that whatever it was and i was just like i looked over the hood and i was like you just unclipped that and you put it in yeah like are you kidding me and so I was like, no, I'm like, leave it. Go to Canadian Tire. It cost me 20 bucks. <laughs> and, and I did it myself. I was just like, I can't believe that they are like, they, granted, Mr. Loops, what I am told, Mr. Loops aren't, they aren't actually mechanics. They're just kind of service people. Okay. And so something to keep in mind when you go to Mr. Lube. You know, yeah. Don't let them touch your car. <laughs> Unless it's for an oil change. And that's it. Not this $1,500 crap. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up going to Amazon and getting mine. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, you literally just unclipped it. So I don't know. Maybe we all need to hear from a mechanic and be like, what are the what are the small things that we all need to do to keep our cars at tip top shape? So you know, yeah. save some well. dollars here because money's tight. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that kind of brings me back to I had a I don't know if I told this story on the show, but uh, I had to go get my my Tesla taken in for an MVI. Two years old car, right? This should pass the flying colors. They come back and they're just like, yeah, your car failed. What? And I was like, excuse me, how did this fail? And there's like, there's, there's play in the bushings. And I have no idea what the heck that meant. I'm assuming that there's movement in the bushings is what that meant. So there's like, yeah, you have to get this thing fixed and you have to do it within 10 days or you have to pay for a brand new MBI. And I was like, gee. So I book, you know, I go to the app, I book a time with Tesla and there was a time with like two days. I was like, oh, sweet. Take it in, drive it over to Bedford. And 
I'm waiting and they come in and they said, uh, what are you here for? And I was like, oh, here, just kind of get, you know, this is the issue that the MVI came out with. They're playing the bushings, just looking to get that fixed. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we see that in the, in the, you input that in the app. We're good to go. And just give us one sec. And so they go back and they, they go back to the outback, come back to me. And they're just like, are you sure you're in today? And I was like, yeah. They're like, what's your name? Like, Josh Udall. I was like, are you sure you're not Josh LeBlanc? And I was like, pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay. And they come back. And there's like, yep. Yeah, you're not in today. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I look at the app, and I it was a week later. I, I messed up the oh, date, no. right? I was so annoyed. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I drove all the way to Bedford for this, right? And the mechanic's just like, hold up, hold up. Give me a second. Looks in the computer. And he's like, yeah, I move some stuff around. We'll get it done for you today. And I was like, my guy, okay. He's like, the only issue is because of, you know, us not knowing you're coming in, we don't have a loaner car to give you for the day. Would you be able, would you okay just taking an Uber home? And I was like, yeah, you know, my fault. I'll do it. Not a big yeah. deal. And they're yeah. just like, cool. And then I see, I get a ding on my phone. And I was like, what is this? And it's like, oh, we gave you $130 worth of Uber credits so you can get home. I was like, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So went home, came back at the end of the day and, uh, and everything was done under the warranty, and I didn't pay a dime that day for anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Aside from the tip to my Uber. <laughs> but aside from that, it was just like it was a good day. And uh, I was just floored. And, you know, obviously when this story came up on my Instagram, I was like, man, this is this is it. This is what happens. Like, I just, it's, Tesla does well because of, they figure out that hole in the market where people are just getting screwed over by all these, like, dealerships, mm. mechanics, and just treat people well. It's amazing what will happen. Like, yeah, I hope Tesla only continues to grow in their customer service, customer service, but as well as the quality of their products. Mm-hmm. Cause I will hundred percent keep buying them. Yeah. Like, cause that was, I mean, yeah, you paid big money for the car, but I haven't paid a dime for anything else since I, I purchased it. Yeah. And I have, I've had to get it fixed about three times now in okay. two years. Uh, one was created on my, like I, I, I broke it and they still <laughs> covered it under warranty. And uh, the other two were just things that went that they just got done and everything got done within a day. That's amazing. Yeah. So. I, I actually just called up the Toyota dealership today oh, because yeah. I want to get a trailer hitch put on my RAV. And uh, they're like, we're sorry. Um, we actually don't make uh, trailer hitch or towing packages for your year and model of RAV4. I'm like, it's an SUV. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad. Just put and it on. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, no, um, we just, we just don't. I was like, where could I find one then? And then they like recommended another place. And then the other place they recommended, they were like, I think U-Haul. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to U-Haul. I've rented a U-Haul. I know their quality of their stuff. Like, absolutely not. She called me a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, that's rough, man. Um, yeah, so I, I share all that in contrast of, you know, uh, I think I'm okay with paying a little extra for a car if it means I get that kind of service. Yeah. Because I hear that. I mean, I experienced it too when I had a crappy old Toyota as well. It's just annoying. You mm-hmm. just don't, you can't trust anybody. And those, you know, and you can, the, the people you can trust, they're so far and few between. So you just stick with them with like glue when you do find them. <laughs> but man, the amount of guys are just looking to screw you over. Especially, and I hate to be this guy, but it's real. They find, man, they, they love, this industry loves preying on women. Mm-hmm. There's like, oh, women, they don't know anything. That's what, that's what their assumption is. And they just come in hot and try to like sell them all this stuff. And 
these days, a lot of women know a lot of stuff. And it's just like it's clear as day and they can see right through it when it happens. It's just mind-boggling when it happens. They do it to Kelsey all the friggin' time. In her case, she doesn't know anything about cars. <laughs> <laughs> so she calls me and, and I don't know. I, I know enough to at least know when people are BSing me or not. Yeah. And so she'll always call me when things are going down. I'm like, I'm like, what did they try to sell you? Are you kidding me? Bruh, you just got an oil change like last month. They're saying you need another one? Well, that's the type of stuff that happens, man. Yeah. I was like, yikes. Yeah. It's funny because my wife, Jen, she did like uh, AutoCAD class in, in high school because her high school in Ontario was like an industrial school. I, apparently they differentiate them based on um, like there's ones that are like academic or ones that are like arts and music based. And this one was more like uh, trades based. And so she actually took apart a car, put it back together, built go-karts and like <laughs> raced them around the football field. And I was just like, wow, that's incredible. I've done none of that. <laughs> so, and she's kind of got like an engineer's brain anyway. Right. Um, so I'm just like, hey, Jen. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yeah, no, definitely I've grown up enough around vehicles to be like, okay, I know when you're, when you're trying to trying to screw me like, yeah you can't tell me that the headlight fluid is out and you know <laughs> like you know what i mean and it's funny because like i've i've seen that tiktok go around about people like joking about all oh, the headlight fluid ha 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 and then to actually hear a friend of mine like they didn't get fooled because they saw like god bless tiktok for these kind of things but like they saw the tiktok and went what did you just say to me? And they're like, oh, it was a joke. Ha, 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 ha. And they're like, joke. but if I would have signed and paid for it, would it have been a joke still? Like, wait, wait, a mechanic tried to pull yes. that off? No way. Yes. Yeah. They literally turn around and said, hey, we're going to charge you for blinker, blinker fluid? Yeah. Oh, my God. And so, and then she was just like, no, I, I've seen that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I was just joking. It was just, it's just a joke. It's all jokes here, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's all, all for fun. Wow, that's wild, man. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, dealerships. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally get that guy. I'm yeah. like, yes, fight the power, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cabin filter comments will kill me every time. <laughs> Stick it up your butt. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That'd be me too, man. So. Yeah. Find your local mechanics because yeah. I had one um, for many years. I had a uh, Volkswagen Jetta that was accident prone. Oh, and, yeah. and I say accident prone because. It was my mom's before me and uh, we had other people in the family drive it and everybody had hit something or been hit in that vehicle. And then I finally wrote it off with a pretty major accident in 2014. <laughs> so, but while having it rest in peace. Yeah. Oh yeah. Poor thing. We called it the tank. But anyway, the moral of the story is that I was like, I'm not going to pay out the nose at uh, the dealership. Ended up finding a local mechanic had to drive like 20 minutes out of the city to get to him excellent treated me the very best um was a really good guy and only did right by me so find the local people they're out there they're good and uh, we need to support them yeah and if anyone has any local guys that are looking for clients well i'm sure they're not in this in this market but if they are <laughs> you hit us up with them we'll share with the homies because uh well, i'm sure we're all looking for a good mechanic these days mm -hmm. so yeah that's the show yo yeah so good place to be yeah we we love life so whatever it is you're doing whether you be trying to find a mechanic shopping locally <laughs> or looking to play some sports 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Locally with your community. Okay. So whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace.